If you guys want to turn there in your notes, hopefully you got your Bibles with you and a pen in hand is always a good thing, not to pass notes to one another, but to take notes as the Lord lays things on your heart. Well, last week we thought we were going to finish things out and, and, and we fell short and that's okay. You know what? A man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. We did go from verse 20 down through 24 and we saw some phenomenal things in that. After in the previous passage, just seeing this really another aspect of this great warfare that we're in and Paul talking about heretics and those that come in to try to divide the church with you know, um, with, with, with false doctrines and with, you know, uh, actions that just are contradictory to what we're called to walk in. And we saw the heaviness in that, the urgency in that and so forth. And it's something that we're called to do for the sake of the simple and babes in Christ. And not to do that really isn't a moral thing. You know, there's a heaviness that comes with that. But the Lord, again, every time where he brings a call on us or an exhortation, the Lord always provides encouragement and he provides the strength to be able to abound in what he's called us to do. And we saw there in verse 20, after laying out, you know, that heaviness of, uh, you know, this call to walk in an urgent manner in the midst of, you know, it's so many factors that are even just trying to come against the body of Christ. It reads there, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. And we just rejoiced in that. You know, what a great place just to stop and rejoice in the midst of everything going on, in the midst of a world where there's such a lack of peace to number one, rejoice knowing we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ and that is good. Absolutely, we are no longer at enmity with God. We're no longer at war with him. But absolutely, in Jesus, through faith in the Lord, we're covered by the Lord. We've entered into covenant. And we even talked about how practically, you know what, we have the means to walk in peace, even in the midst of storms of life. And we saw how the God of peace, again, not might, not could be, but notice will crush Satan under your feet and he's going to do it shortly. And again, those are words of encouragement. Those are words of endurance. Those words should encourage us to press on, recognizing our time is short, eternity is set before us, it's gonna last forever, and so let's fight the good fight, let's wage the war, the victory's been won at the cross of Calvary, and soon, literally, and we'll touch on this again this morning a bit, there's a bit of a mystery in this, but literally soon, Satan's gonna be crushed underneath our feet. What a glorious day that's gonna be. And then we saw Paul lifting up a couple prayers in fact, there's three prayers that he finishes the epistle with. We saw two of them last week, which were really the same prayer. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And then he says in verse 24, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. And we just talked about grace, the great need for God's unmerited favor, God's divine influence. With no grace, there's no salvation. And with no grace, everything we really do is a vain attempt Grace is so good, and we want to be found abounding in it. We want to be found growing in it. We want to be dependent upon it. We want to be a people that get up and act and move, but know outside of the grace of God, what can I do? And then also know God wants to give grace. He wants to pour it out. And remember, God's opposed to the proud, but what's he do to the humble? He gives grace to them. 
He gives grace to the humble. So in humbling our hearts to saying, Lord, I need your help. I need your aid. I want to walk in what you have for me. God has a, an, an, an infinite amount of grace that he wants to pour out on you. Maybe you need that this morning. Humble your heart before the Lord. Cast your cares upon him. Look to the Lord. Ask for his strength, and indeed, he will bring it. And then we also saw Paul giving these final greetings. And we looked at that word greeting. It means to salute, and it means to embrace. And just that call once again to encourage one another in this spiritual war that we're in, to embrace one another, to show love to one another, to build up one another. Well, now this morning we come to the final prayer. And listen, for as, as important great grace is in our life, and as much as we need grace, look at what he prays for next is of a higher importance. Because notice verse 25, he starts the prayer now to him who is able to establish you. So he's praying to God now to him who's able to establish you. And then notice the last verse, to God alone wise. God's the one who's able to establish us. He's the one who is only wise. Be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. And again, as important it is that we need grace, that we're abounding in grace, to God be the glory forever is more important. That God would be glorified, that God would be honored, that the Lord would be lifted up is of the highest importance in our life above all your needs, above all that, you know what, as you look at your life, all that you would long to unfold and so forth. To God be the glory is our highest call. It's our first ministry to lift up the name of Jesus Christ no matter what's going on. And let me tell you in that, all those other things fall in place. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and what? All these other things will be added unto you. When you glorify God, you see God as he is. God is big. God is vast. God is infinite. And then all of a sudden you realize my little problems are so small. They're so easy for such an awesome and great God. And so we'll talk about that. But before we get into, again, that aspect of this, we'll also see in this prayer there is instruction. There's encouragement that God is the one who is able to establish us. And we'll talk about our need to be established, how the Lord is able to, we just have to be willing. And then absolutely, we see instruction here of how to get more established in the Lord. It starts with the gospel. It starts with getting saved. There's no footing. There's no establishment. There's no root in God until we come to Christ, which happens to the preaching of the gospel, the preaching of Jesus. And then again, we'll see this exhortation that we see throughout the word of God, the word of God, throughout the word of God instructs us to get into the word of God, that we need to be a people in the word, that when you get into the word, you begin to grow, you begin to get established, you begin to get strength, the more, again, deeper roots in the Lord. And then from there, the last thing we see is that we need to obey the word of God, not just to be hearers of the word but to be doers of the word and i think these things will um again just just come together beautifully in this passage here let's read verse 25 through 27 we've talked about where we've been and now let's go to uh where the lord wants us to go here in this text it says now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel 
and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest and by prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith to God alone wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Can we say amen to that? Now again, now to him who is able to establish you. The word establish here, it means to steadfastly set. It means to strengthen. It means to confirm, to set fast, to turn resolutely in a certain direction. It comes from a word that means to be made solid, stable, strong, or sure. The Lord wants us to be a people that are on a foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ and that absolutely we're a people that are getting our roots deep into that foundation, that we're not easily swayed, that we're not easily shook, that we're a people that are solid, that we are a people, as the Bible oftentimes compares us to trees, that we are trees that are abounding and bringing forth fruits to, first of all, the glory of God, secondly, to build up the body of Jesus Christ, and third, to be a witness to a world that desperately, desperately needs the Lord. And listen, it is so important that we are a people that absolutely are getting more and more established in the Lord, that we are a people that are getting our roots deeper, that we don't come to the place of saying, well, I've arrived, you know, I'm good where I'm at. And absolutely that we're not a people that will say, well, I'm saved. It doesn't matter if I ever grow in the Lord as long as I know I'm going to heaven. Look at God has a greater call on your life than that. God's called us to abound. God's called us to flourish. God's called us to be a people growing and abounding in him all of our days. I'll tell you one of the the, the greatest encouragements that I get is that when I have fellowship with older saints and You know what, those that have been walking with the Lord for many, many years, 50, 60 years, and they're still abounding in the Lord Jesus Christ. They still got a vigor for the Lord. They still have a fire for God. They're still about the business of the Lord. I'll tell you, it's great encouragement to me because in all the years of pastoring, 25 years of pastoring in my days, which for some of you guys, I'm one of those old saints to you. I'll tell you, I see so many people that just seem to drift. They just drift. Some of them drift so far that they even renounce their faith. I have to say, well, perhaps they never even had real faith or maybe that they're that prodigal where one day they're gonna wake up and realize the servants have it better in my father's house and they'll cry out to the Lord. The Lord sorts those things out. All I know is that I see so many who drift and they get saved, they get on fire, they begin to get rooted, and then just, you know what, as things go, they just kind of settle into a groove, then the next thing you know, their hearts start going back to the world, maybe they hit some trials or the riches of the life, you know, it started to take precedence, and, and, and you don't see them abounding in the Lord. Boy, it's a glorious thing when you see old saints that are still abounding in the Lord. I want that to be me. 
In fact, there's several in our church that I'll tell Shannon, I want that to be me when I'm 80 years old. I want that to be me if, I'm, if I get to live to be 90 years old, whatever it would be. And you're like, Jesus is gonna come sooner. Look at when I was 20, they said Jesus would come before I'm 50. Now I'm almost 53. I know he's coming soon, but I wanna live my life again also all of my days to serve him. Whether it's one more and he comes or it's 40 more years, whatever it would be. It's a glorious thing. And I'd encourage you this morning to check yourself. Are you getting more established in the Lord? Are those roots growing deeper? Is your love for him abounding? Because it's desperately, desperately needed. We are living in shaky times. Have you noticed that? We're living in the midst of spiritual war. Look at, we're living in the midst of what we talked about earlier a few weeks back in this epistle where there's heretics and apostasy and false doctrines that are flooding Christianum that want to try to toss you to and fro. And then we're living in the midst of our, of our own flesh that wars against the spirit. And at times even silly bickerings that happen within the body of Christ, again, that the enemy will get his hand in to try to bring divisions and to shake us and to get us to shrink back versus saying, I want to abound to the Lord in the midst of all of it. 2 Timothy 3.1, but know this in the last days, perilous times will come. That means dangerous times. Look at, we're living in dangerous times. It's all the more we need to get rooted and grounded in the Lord. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Notice verse five, having a form of godliness, but denying its power from such people turn away. Days of peril indeed. I talked about this Wednesday night. We have a governor of our state that desperately needs to repent and call upon the Lord Jesus Christ. You talk about a brutal individual. He signed 12 new abortion laws into law this past week inviting again women in other states will come here and we'll take the tax dollars of those in this state to pay for your abortions just so you guys know that's murder that's something that goes against the will of god that brings forth death that is absolutely authored by the uh you know what the 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 author of death satan god's the life giver God's the one that brings forth life. Jesus Christ died on the sins, uh, on the cross for our sins so our sins can be forgiven and we can have life. That even if, you know what, in our sin we participate in those things of death, God will forgive, God will restore, God will meet you where you're at and bring healing. Our God's the God of life. Satan is the author of death. And make no mistake about it. Again, if you're getting in the place where you're getting swayed because you see so many pastors now upholding, again, abortion, you need to stop that. That's brutal. That goes against the will of God. I don't want to hear about people saying they're conservative and they get all up in arms over having to wear a mask down at the Vons or whatever. But then when it comes to these things, they don't say a word. That's not conservative at all. That's not Christian at all. That's just selfish. I don't want to wear a mask and I get it. I don't want to wear one either. But these things are of a higher importance. You understand what I'm saying? Because I heard a whole lot of that during the pandemic, but in these things, which is of a, of, a, of a greater issue, I don't hear a lot of people talking about it. Guys, we are living in days of peril. 
This governor of ours went so far to purchase billboards throughout our, straight, throughout our state that he has thrown Bible scriptures on to support these acts. Do you guys know that? He put out there Mark 12, 31. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these to support abortion. What a liar. You know what it says? The first commandment is love the Lord your God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Then love your neighbor as yourself. There's no greater commandments of these. You know what God says? If you love me, keep my commandments. And his commandments say, thou shall not kill. That's what they say. Well, Steve, in these circumstances, no, thou shall not kill. Guys, we need to wake up. We need to get grounded in the word of God. Look, at I know even saying these things. Surely, you know what? I run the risk of offending someone. I would rather offend you with truth and hope that would shake you up and wake you up than bury my head in the sand and say nothing. These are perilous times we are living in. We need to be rooted and grounded in Jesus so we can be bold and we can be in the place again to minister God's truth and God's heart to these matters. Church, it's time to rise up in this stuff. We're living in perilous times <laughs> Ephesians 4 14 and it talks about pastors and teachers in place to build up the body but it says that we should no longer be tossed to children tossed to and fro carried about it by every wind of doctrine trickery of men and cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting again we're in a time where the church is being inundated with heresies and apostasies. It's biblical, it's scripture, it's not my opinion. It is prophetic scripture unfolding. Praise God for the solid pastors. Praise God for sound doctrine. Pray for those believers, pray for those churches, lift them up to the Lord, but make no mistake, it's time to grow up being you know, not being children tossed to and fro, not being the simple as talked about earlier in this chapter, but to be grounded in truth, to walk in discernment so that we're not just swayed by all this nonsense that comes forth continually into the body of Christ that just produces these stains that even repel the world that oftentimes in those matters has more discernment than many even in the church. We need to get grounded and more established in the Lord. 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking who may me devour. Notice, resist him, steadfast in the faith or established in the faith, knowing the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. We've talked a lot about it recently, but we are in a spiritual war. And you're like, well, I don't like the thought of that. I just wanna pretend that doesn't happen. It doesn't matter if you pretend it doesn't happen or not, it's happening, we're in a spiritual war. You need to get established. You need to get grounded, not only for your own sake, but for those around you. So you can pray for your children, that you would absolutely be able to be an example to them of one marching forward in the Lord Jesus Christ, so that we can shine for the Lord again in the midst of a world that desperately needs him. And then notice and consider James 4.1, where do wars and fights come from among you? And remember, he's talking to the church here. Do they not come from your desire for pleasure that wars in your members? You lust and do not have, murder and covenant and cannot obtain. You fight and war. You do not have because you do not ask. Again, we have a war that goes on right between our flesh and our spirit. And oftentimes, again, the flesh gets raised up even in the church. 
and there's divisions in the church over things that the church shouldn't be divided over now some contentions are necessary again there's some things that are like we're standing on the truth of god's word and we're not going to budge we're not going to move an inch and if there's division over it so be it the lord says i come to bring a sword not peace but that shouldn't be the case we should be collectively in god's word wanting god's word to go forth not dividing over silliness but again in our flesh those things happen we need to get established we need to get rooted again all these things are going on around us but here's the good news god is able or god has the power to establish us it's not glorious to know this morning these things are all out there and it's like oh boy we're just going to get tossed all around no the lord says i have the ability to establish you and that's glorious that's good notice psalm 93 1 the lord reigns he is clothed with majesty the lord is clothed he has girded himself with strength surely the world is established so that it cannot be moved your throne is established from old you are from everlasting god has established this world god has established his throne make no mistake god can establish you (laughs) and notice he's able he's able but here's the question are we willing that's the bigger question are we willing listen he calls all to himself he desires to establish all unto salvation and then from there to establish us into an ongoing maturity in the lord that we're those trees that just keep growing the the roots just keep getting deeper it just keeps growing and growing and growing and growing he's able but are we willing notice matthew eleven twenty eight, and notice i'll point out a, a, a key word in all this jesus says come to me all who labor and are heavily and i will give you rest notice come to me who all he is willing and he says come to me all he is able but are we willing to respond notice first timothy 2 1 therefore i exhort first of all that supplications prayers intercessions and giving thanks be made for notice here all men i don't think we dispute the context of that he's talking about everyone in the world for kings and all who are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable uh life uh in all godliness and reverence for this is good and acceptable in the sight of god our savior so he says pray for all people and then he says who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth for there's one mediator between god and man the man christ jesus who gave himself for all to be testified in due time again he's desiring all to come to himself and when we come to him he's desiring all of us to get more and more established in him second peter 3 9 the lord is not slack concerning his promise talking about the coming of the lord as some count slackness but as long suffering towards us notice not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance the lord wants to get us saved the lord wants to get us established that's his heart that's why he sent his son that's why john three sixteen says for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that notice whoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life are we willing to be established 
Are we wanting to be established in him? Now, beautifully, we could even be in the place of, I know I should, but I don't want it. Lord, help me, and God, give me the unction. He'll meet you where you're at even in that. Some are willing, and others are not. They reject his hand. He calls all. He says, hey, come to me, but sadly, there are many that say no, and there's many as well that say yes to Jesus, but they say no to the call to maturity. They say, I'd rather just be in spiritual diapers, a born-again baby all of my days. God's got a higher call on you than that. In fact, there's nothing of more importance than, again, living for the Lord and abounding in the Lord and getting those spiritual diapers off and begin to, you know, learn how to walk and learn how to run and learn how to stand in the Lord, not just for your sake, but again, to his glory and for those around you. But sadly, there's many that say, I'm not willing. God's calling, and they're not willing. Notice Luke 7, 29. When all the people heard Jesus, even the tax collectors justified God, having been baptized with the baptism of John. So these tax collectors responded to the gospel. They were willing. They went out when John was baptizing, and it was a baptism under repentance. Repent, because the Messiah is coming. And they responded, and absolutely, they were baptized as evidence of their faith. But notice verse 30. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the will of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. The Lord was willing, but they weren't. They rejected the will of God. They said, we don't want that. No, we don't want this forgiveness. We don't want this Messiah. We're good on our own. We'll stand in our self-righteousness. God was calling them on. They said, no, we're not willing. Notice here, Matthew 22, 1, the Lord gives a parable, teachings about the kingdom of God. And Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding and notice, they were not willing to come. He put forth the invitation and they said, nope, we are not willing. We're expressing our will. We're saying no to you. So then he sends them out again to the highways and the byways for the lame and the poor and the blind and so forth. It is a parable about Israel, whom was the apple of God's eye, whom God in his faithfulness will still bring Israel, all of Israel unto salvation but again, when he came, they were not willing to come. You see it over and over again in the scripture. And bottom line of it is this. God is the act of party in our salvation. If God is not convicting, if God is not wooing, if God hasn't put these evidence forth, look at We have no hope whatsoever. We're lost in the dark. He is the act of party in our salvation. He's the act of party in our growth. But we have a required responsibility to say, yes, Lord, to act on that invitation. Look, at we can you get this before us because, look, at there's a big difference between, between praying, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit so I can get up and I can act versus just waiting around for what I call a Holy Ghost float where the spirit of God is just going to float me and oh no I have I, I'm a participant in this God's the act of party God's the one that empowers 
But I have to be willing to say, yes, I'm ready to turn from the stuff that has done me no good to get on my face and say, oh, Lord, I need you. I need your strength. I need the spirit of God to help and enable me to get up and go. And then I'm the one that has to get up and go. But if I say I want to get up and go, you better know God's going to empower me to get up and go. He is able, but we are we willing or well, you know, I'll just wait around and see what happens. Nothing's going to happen. Now, again, God will do things to get your attention, but we have to say, I want to get established. I'm ready to get up and go to work. Just as I get up and go to work on Monday, am I getting up and am I going to work in the sense of growing and abounding in the Lord? Notice verses like 1 John 5, 21, little children, keep yourself from idols. 1 Timothy 5, 22, keep yourself pure. Jude 21, keep yourself in the love of God. Proverbs 4, 23, keep your hearts with all diligence. That's a responsibility put upon us. Where I got a, I, I got a will to, to, to again, uh, make decisions in. Again, without God, we have no hope. Make no mistake about it. Look at all glory to God. But God in his glory has put us in a place whether we say yes or no. Look at, hear this. No one is going to be able to blame God when they're in hell. They're not going to be able to say, God's the one that put me here and I had no say in the matter. It's going to be them knowing that they rejected that conviction of the Holy Spirit who convicts all men to sin, righteousness, and judgment. And no one else is going to be able to say in heaven as well, you know what, well, I have no rewards here because God just would never change my spiritual diaper. God never moved me into pull-ups, so, you know, that's why I have no reward. It's God's fault. No, you got to be willing to say, I'm ready to get up and get going. I'm ready to get up and get moving forward in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, again, Paul's praying this prayer to the glory of God that God is able to establish us and we'll see how God does that. But there's also instruction that we get in this of how we can get more established in the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen, it all starts with the gospel. It all starts with the preaching of Jesus. Look at, without the gospel, without Jesus, there's no means of stability for anything. Everything's chaos in a fallen world. It all starts with the gospel. What's the gospel? The gospel's so simple. It's sad how so many people distort the gospel today. They call things the gospel that aren't the gospel at all. We're gonna go feed the poor. We're gonna go do the gospel. That's not doing the gospel. No one gets saved from you feeding them. They only get saved when Christ crucified and raised from the dead is preached. Now that should give you a good platform to go preach the gospel. You gave them a sandwich, they'll probably listen to you and that's a good thing. But that's not the gospel. Hear this this morning? Those things are not the gospel. My good deeds are not the gospel. No one's getting saved through me. Jesus must be preached. The gospel must be preached to get anyone established in Jesus Christ. Notice 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which you also receive in which you stand. The word stand there means established in which you are established. This is where everything starts. This is why, again, in our text, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, that's number one. And then notice there's another according here. 
by which you are saved if you hold fast that word which I preached to you unless you believed in vain. And look at those who really believe, they're gonna stand fast. They might get knocked down at times, might get knocked back, but there's a saving faith there. They're established in the Lord. First John talks about those that were uh, you know, with you that are no longer are because they never really had faith. They believed in vain. So this is the gospel that saves us. This is the gospel that establishes. What is it? Verse three, for I delivered you first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. The bad news, we are sinners, we're damned. Jesus Christ bore the wrath to us for our sin upon himself. He paid the penalty. He was buried, he rose from the grave and he defeated sin and death and now through faith in him, through believing in Jesus as our Lord, we get saved and we get established and positionally we're right with God. Without that, you'll never be established with God. Well, I'm a spiritual person, I feel really close to God. Look, at you're getting close to a demon is what's going on. You need to get on your face. How dare you say you're getting close to God when your sins aren't forgiven, when you're an enemy against God? You think you're just gonna roll up and have fellowship with God in your rebellion and say, God, come do what I wanna do? No, we gotta fall on our face and acknowledge we're sinners and call on the God who shed his blood for us. That's how we get established. That's how we get the seal of the Holy Spirit in our life. And then again, we can move into Jude 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling because I'm established. I might get blown like one of them palm trees all the way over, but I'm gonna come right back up because he's gonna keep me. Think about 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. I'm new in the Lord. I'm established in the Lord. Ephesians 5, 8, you were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. So again, you're established in Christ. You were enemies, but now you're forgiven as you called upon the Lord. And now it's time to walk in the Lord. Now it's time to begin to grow in the Lord. Side note with this point, notice, he says, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, we are called to preach the gospel, amen. We are called to preach Jesus Christ. We are called to open up the word of God which gives us revelation of who Jesus Christ is. Colossians 1.28, him we preach. Notice here, warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end, I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. We're called to preach the gospel week in and week out. I've shared it before, I've heard it before. You know what, he preaches the same thing over and over again. Yeah, it's called the Bible and it's called the gospel of Jesus Christ and I make no apologies for that. In fact, if I quit doing that, leave and go find another church. That's a big problem. Well, we don't wanna preach the gospel, it's offensive. Then what do you wanna do? Tickle people's ears all the way to hell? The gospel has to be preached. And Jesus has to be preached. And the only way you can preach Jesus is if you open up the word of God. I remember years ago, I, had these, I was having dealings with this grossly liberal pastor in a denomination that was sound that is getting more and more grossly liberal. 
And he took issue that, you know what, we were calling out some false teachings and false doctrines. Some things that have blown up into just just gross, uh, you know, stains on the body of Christ now. Where the theology was so wrong, the doctrine was so wrong, and now the behavior is just sins of, of pedophilia and, and, and uh, you know what, adultery that you don't even see in the world. And some of you can put two and two together, you know what I'm talking about. A lot of people sing their songs, I'll just put it like that. And he was so upset, so upset that we had taken a public stand and so forth. And he said to me, look it, we don't preach the Bible, we preach Jesus. That was his justification. You're standing in the Bible. We don't preach the Bible. We preach Jesus. This is a verse by verse, supposedly Bible preaching church. And my question is, how can you preach Jesus if you don't open your Bible? You got to open your Bible to preach Jesus. Otherwise, guess what's going to happen? You're going to preach another Jesus. You're going to preach the Jesus of your imagination. You're going to preach the Jesus that this world is preaching today that moves brutal, godless men to put up billboards up promoting lies saying, boy, aren't we preaching Jesus? Taking things out of context and so forth. Again, the Bible talks about those preaching another Jesus there in 2 Corinthians 11 and the fact we're not called to put up with that. He has the words of life, amen? And they're found in the word of God. So number one, we need to get saved. We need to get in Christ. Secondly, again, we need to get the word of God in us. Notice what it says, according, this is what establishes. Number one, we preach Jesus, we get saved. Number two, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations. I'm gonna refer to a lot of these passages for time's sake. Man sinned in the garden and immediately we got the gospel. The first mention of the gospel is Genesis 3.15. The Lord talking to the serpent, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise or crush his heel. So this was a call again for Jesus. His heel would be bruised or crushed, but Satan's head would be bruised or crushed. And indeed his heel was bruised on Calvary. In a sense, he was crushed for us that Satan's head would be crushed. And that's the gospel. He was saying, I'm gonna send my son and he's gonna make the way of salvation. And listen, when that was stated along with so many other prophecies that again built on this prophecy about Christ coming, there was clarity in that prophecy, but there was also a mystery. And it talks about this in 1 Peter 1, how the prophets, again, they searched for what manner of time this would happen. They said, well, how's this gonna happen? When is this gonna happen? There, we, we know it's gonna happen, there's clarity, but there's a great mystery exactly how it will unfold. And we can say for us this morning, again, we read Romans sixteen twenty, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. We know that's gonna happen, but when that's gonna happen exactly, we don't know, and we kinda know how it's gonna happen, but exactly all those details, there's some mystery in that. I'm really looking forward for that mystery completely to be unfolded, aren't you? And so the gospel was given and there was clarity, but there was also a mystery again in the beginning after man's sin. 
And then notice 26, but now made manifest by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations. So again, they knew a savior was coming. The scriptures declared over and over and over again how the Lord would come. So when the Lord came, the Messiah come, came, they can know, yeah, we know this is Messiah by the scriptures. And then again, when he finally came, the revelation was made known to us. Yes, this is the mystery. Now it's been revealed through the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. Again, remember Paul, when he would go into these places to share the gospel, he didn't have a New Testament. He opened up the Old Testament. And he would show them how Jesus was the fulfillment of all of these prophecies about the Messiah. And how did he do it? Again, through opening the word of God and the scriptures that are now, again, concerning the gospel, made no notice here to all nations. That call again in Christ to take the gospel out to all nations. And we know in glory, all nations will be represented by people who called upon Christ. And so again, it starts with the gospel. It starts with the preaching of Jesus, which again, no Jesus, there's no gospel. That's where we get established. And then again, the roots begin to grow deeper. Again, when we open up the prophetic scriptures, we begin to learn more about God. We learn more about God's call on us. Our minds begin to get renewed and so forth. Again, the scriptures establishes deeper in the word of God. Notice 1 Peter 2.1. It says, therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and evil speaking as newborn babes. Notice here, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby if indeed you have tasted that the lord is gracious we got to get into god's word as you get in the scriptures on your own as we go through the scriptures as a church the roots begin to go down deeper and we get to be more established in the lord so we're not tossed to and fro by the latest wind of doctrine that's not scriptural but yes, when the warfare happens, it comes and it's on, but we are able to stand in the Lord Jesus Christ to not just get, you know, uprooted. In the midst of days of peril, we're able to stand our ground in the midst of a world that is desperately wanting to watch itself of the things of God. You're like, how am I going to endure with all this stuff going on? You better get in God's word. You got to get in God's word. And let me tell you, again, if you're going to a church where God's word's not being taught, where it's just maybe being talked, to, talked about or referred, that's a, that's a big problem. We're called to preach the word and praise God for those churches that are preaching God's word and rightly dividing it. Notice Psalm 1. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scornful, but his delight is in the law or the word of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Notice here, he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaves also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. So again, it's a picture when we're in the word of a tree, again, by living waters, I think of this massive oak tree that we used to have in our backyard. And uh, power lines were going through all the thing. And the, the PG&E took it out, which 
It's a great tree to have on the back part of your property, but when giant branches are over your house that dump all the time, you think the Lord did a miracle, the PG&E took the tree out. But that tree, we're very near the Salinas River, that tree just flourished. I mean, literally the trunk of this tree went up 40 feet and then from there it canopied out probably another 60 feet tall. This thing was massive, just slowly growing by that river of water. Look, we got a certain pine tree on our property here, the church property, and you'll see them. It's the ones that, that, that they have that browning. You should water that tree. Those trees get watered. The problem is those trees aren't planted by rivers of living water. They're planted by asphalt that gets to be about 125 degrees in the summer. And they get that burn on them. And if you're not careful, it just almost like consumes them. And we just lost two in the back here. We'll replace them with something else. But that's the difference. Look at, is your life an oak tree, so to speak, planted by rivers of living water, you and the word? Or are you standing by the asphalt as close as you can get to the world, those roots not going down deeper, and you look just like burnt toast, like the world looks out there? We gotta get in the word. And then number three here, he says, according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith. Look at that gospel unfolded because Jesus himself was willing to obey the word of God. He came according to the scriptures. He died according to the scriptures. He was buried. He was resurrected according to the scriptures. Philippians 2, 8 says he was obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And we're established through the obedience of Christ We grow through the word of God and then we grow deeper when we obey as Christ obeyed himself. Look at to get established deeper in the Lord. It's not a matter of just hearing the word. We gotta act on the word. Notice Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, he who hears these sayings of mine, and that's good, we're hearing the sayings, but notice here, this is the key, and does them. I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, he'll be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and it was a great fall. I think about these storms and we need to pray for those folks in Florida and South Carolina and those folks back there. We have a, a, a family, about 10 years, they moved Rob and Lori Mushiana, and the Lord protected them right there in Florida, and we're thanking the Lord for that. God had his hand over their home. But listen, have you seen the footage of that? Have you seen the trailers in trailer parks where now it looks like, you know what, a, a, a bag of Hot Wheels that a kid just took and shook? And then it was interesting, I see some of these other houses that are built up on stilts. But they're just not any stilts. You can tell these things have been highly engineered. They have massive pillars underneath them and so forth. And you can tell they were built with storms in mind. Or even as the floodwaters are coming in, the water's basically going through their carport, but the house is fine up there withstanding the wind. Look, I want to compare it to this. I want to take a practical thing and make a spiritual application. It'd be like if both at the beginning of this, both of those people had all the means to build whatever house they wanted to build they have access to architects engineers everything they need all the sources right there it's just what are you going to do now we know that's probably not the case practically for them but in christ god's able to establish us 
Look at, we have all the tools before us. Those that do are the ones that say, hey, we're gonna do this right. We're gonna open up the book. We're gonna get some engineering and then we're gonna go and we begin to do God's word. And when you begin to do, you begin to grow. And absolutely that house is built solid versus to say, hey, I'm glad I'm saved. So I'm just gonna sit over here in the trailer. Again, I'm making a spiritual application here. I hope you guys understand that. It's not a commentary on people that live in one house or the other. But if you had the means to do it, but you don't go out and do it, those roots are not gonna go down. Put it like this. A baby has to first stand, then they roll, then they crawl, then they lumber, then they walk, and then they run. But that baby has to get going. I have a story in my family about some odd cousin that I had, and she was like five years old and she could talk, but she didn't walk. And she had the ability to walk. And they would say to her, why don't you walk? And I guess the response was, well, I'm afraid I might fall down. You got to get up and go. You have the means to go. You got to get up and do it. And you're like, I don't know if I can. Then humble your heart again. And let's daily say, Lord, empower me so I can get up and I can go. Look at David slew beast before he ever slew a giant. And he slew a giant before he ever slew a king. You understand what I'm saying? You can read about getting stronger all day long, but until you get down and start doing some push-ups, it ain't gonna do you a whole lot of good. And as you get up, there might be times you get knocked down, but guess what you do? A righteous man may fall seven times, but he rises again. Think about it like this. Peter sunk in that water, got rebuked for rebuking the Lord, denied the Lord three times, but by God's grace, he kept getting up as God enabled him to get up and that got into Pentecost where he preached and 3,000 were saved in one sermon. So again, to God be the glory. God is the act of party in all this. Make no mistake, without God, without grace, we got nothing. We're not gonna establish it's all there, but we gotta say, yes, Lord, I'm ready to go. And in all of it, again, to God, verse 27, alone wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever, amen. He is the only wise one. You need more wisdom? Can we say amen to that? You're like, I don't need more wisdom. You are the one that needs it desperately more than any of us here. The scripture says, if we ask in faith, he'll give it. He wants to pour it out. And again, as much as we need grace, to him be the glory is the most important. When Jesus, you know, was asked by his disciples, teach us how to pray, what's that first line? He said, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Again, this is all about the glory of God. Yes, give me grace, and it shouldn't just be so I'll flourish in myself, but that I can live a life under the glory of God. That's the aim of all of it. To God be the glory. I think about Habakkuk 3 where it talks about no fruit on the vine, no beast in the field or, you know, of the herd. And then he says, yet I'll rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Otherwise, even in the midst of all of this, to God be the glory. And that's how Paul finishes the epistle. To God alone wise, again, with all we've been taught, with all we've learned, the bottom line, to God, the only wise one, be the glory through Jesus Christ forever and ever, amen. Because again, we go back to that gospel. The only way I can really give glory to God is through Jesus Christ, through getting saved, through getting born again, through getting, again, a right relationship with God. Now I can give glory to God. Without Jesus, again, 
We don't have the ability to give glory to God. It's through him and him alone. And then again, we get the privilege to give him glory forever. And again, we've been in Revelation for quite some time on Wednesday night. And we've seen these pictures of heaven over and over again. And guess what? God's getting glory in all of them. And he'll get that forever and ever and ever and ever. I just heard like three amens. He says amen here, which means that's the final word of the whole thing. Can we say amen to that? Let's stand up and let's pray and close in worship of our God. You guys need to pray for me because I'm like, oh, you know, it's just a few verses. We'll probably get done like that 15 after. Well, you know what? I guess God wanted to establish just a little 12 minutes more of establishing this morning than I had planned. So God, we just praise you and give you glory. We just thank you that you're so good. Lord, without you, we have no hope. God, without you, God, we have no future. Yet in you, God, we have all things. I pray we'd be found a people hungering for you, absolutely getting more rooted and grounded. You build our faith, God. We know it comes through hearing God's word. And if you're here today and you haven't called upon Jesus, listen, today's the day of salvation. I just can't encourage you enough to respond to the call of God knocking on the door of your heart, to humble your heart, to ask him to forgive you, to ask him to be the Lord of your life, to meet you where you're at. He'll do that. He wants to be your Lord. Lord, any of that place, just meet them where they are even right now. Hey, let's finish well lifting our voices to God and absolutely giving him the glory. You are the everlasting God.
Amen. Well, I hope you've been strengthened today in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I just pray God blesses you. Encourage others today. Build up others. Look, at if someone says, hey, you know what? Pray for me. Pray for them right now. And I pray you have a wonderful day in the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you.